Hi, Sachin. Hey, Dinkar. So, Sachin, um, uh, I think we got a lot of good feedback and uh, more questions on metrics. Um, a little bit um, on social sites, but a lot of personal conversations. So I thought that uh, we should spend some more time on this. And one of the things we had discussed when we were discussing on output uh, versus outcome, why outcome is so important, right? Um, the question obviously at that time that we raised and everyone had was that um, if there is nothing to strive for, if you don't give a good example or you don't recommend something, right? A bad set of metrics will get picked, right? The, that's Correct. enough. And uh, then I was uh, reminded of uh, this uh, blog that you wrote. Uh, and I thought that uh, maybe we should go uh, in the title of the blog, which I'll share in our description yes. was Dysfunctional Metric Skill Agile Transformation. Yes. Uh, as an introduction, what I want to call out to you, what I really liked about it was that um, you're not just complaining that this is wrong, uh, this is wrong. Uh, you have some certain set of introduction uh, recommendations also. Correct. And uh, those who have seen our previous one will uh, recognize some of those uh, recommendations. And I realized how much we have, um, we, we have been thinking and talking about it so much that we don't realize that we are going to the same set of metrics over and over again, which is a good thing. So yes. uh, as you introduce this, I'll share my screen. So can you set some context about this, um, especially why you started uh, writing about this? and um, anything else uh, in order to prep people for this? Sure, the motivation to write this blog was very simple. We were talking again and again to our customers, our uh, uh, people, uh, and teams were using metrics, which we always used to feel a little cringy to use and put up in front of somebody else. And... Uh, then it got me thinking and I started uh, digging around why these metrics are actually not the ideal ones to do. But rather than just finding out literature on why I don't like this, I wanted to basically figure out what is the alternative or better way to measure it. And that's how um, we started doing it. Uh, particularly the blog post is talking about agile uh, transformations because mostly the agile transformations are starting from a place where they have um, a very different way of measurement. They are not using velocity. They are not using story points. These uh, burn up, burn down are very rigid in their scope. Uh, and uh, with that in mind, first of all, uh, the change, they are not sure whether this is the right thing or wrong. And most of the agile coaches are still peddling in the industry the metrics about velocity, burn up, burn down, lead time versus uh, cycle time. Uh, and by themselves, these are not bad metrics. What happens is how do you perceive these metrics or how do you act upon these metrics or what inferences you are drawing on these metrics becomes even more crucial. So I wrote this blog post, but this blog post is supposed to be just a starting point for teams to decide what they want to do additional to support the hypothesis. So these metrics can give you a hypothesis at best, but then you will need additional things to validate whether your hypothesis is correct or not. 
and that's how i uh, took an approach rather than saying delete these metrics from your um slides i have suggested why don't you actually contextualize your metrics with something better so that now your hypothesis can be validated along with uh, something more concrete and then you can figure out whether you are moving in the right direction or not okay. so Sachin, you mentioned uh, in this uh, you know uh, you know uh, you do call out right uh, the, the reason these uh, metrics are important uh, are are more uh, popular is because they're readily available so you know people kind of uh, lean on to it but you also call them uh, dysfunctional yes uh, this uh, which uh, i'm sure you'll go into detail but i am really uh, very interested in understanding this aspect uh, can you set the context of uh, the uh, are we there yet how why is this such an important question that gets that gets asked uh, I know from a project management, yes, it, it's, you know, how much money we have left, how much time we have left. Uh, but can you spend some more time on importance of these questions, prevalence of this question, and why should I care about it? Or why should I even ask this? Absolutely. And this is uh, this comment is made in the uh, uh, context of transformation. So as we know, any transformation is a multi-year journey. A company may start doing this transformation uh, and uh, minimum it runs for 18 months to uh, three years, depending upon the size of the organization. And when they commission these uh, agile coaches or uh, and there are like plenty, what happens is uh, it is a very expensive process and undertaking for the leaders. Mm. And uh, initially, first few months go into onboarding, uh, understanding what is the landscape and whatnot. But then as a year passes and they, the call comes to actually renew the funding for this program for next year, that's when leaders actually start thinking, hey, um, where am I in my overall transformation journey? And that's when the question starts coming up is, are we there yet? Mm -hmm. Okay. And to answer this, a lot of people go on and collect these metrics from their existing system. And they want to show that there is a difference now. Mm -hmm. And how that difference has been achieved is either you are able to deliver software faster. And earlier, they used to, let's say, we are transforming from waterfall to agile. And earlier, the release cycles used to be six months. Now you are doing two-week iterations. What you are trying to showcase is, hey, my software is actually going faster to production. But not only that, but I'm also achieving certain things in faster time. Now, showing this number to link your are we there yet is not a good idea. <laughs> That's the problem which I'm talking about. Because if, let's take one example, velocity. If you think about velocity, velocity is an internal metric at best. It is not an absolute metric depending upon where you are standing in your journey of your delivery, it may change because uh, teams get better at understanding because velocity is directly linked to estimations. And mm -hmm. in Agile, you do estimations based on points and points are relative, they are linked to complexity. So whatever is the team's perceived complexity of a certain uh, uh, feature becomes the baseline for velocity. So in the beginning, I may say that, hey, I do believe the login page is 
four uh, points but later on as building blocks are created that may not look like four complexity to me because some of the blocks are readily available and i may say it's a one uh, pointer story now Sachin, that that is actually a very interesting baseline that you said that uh, things like velocity right they depend upon a team and i think um, the implicit uh, uh, thing that you're calling out there is that uh, each team may have their own point of view based on their experience their capability or even you know uh, login page uh, for example ha has different complexity in different products in different yes. context maybe in a consumer product it, uh, it's all about uh, login using facebook google and fa uh, twitter and it's one and the other world um, in banking or financial it may take uh, a totally different so uh, and uh, th that means that uh, these metrics are also dysfunctional in a multi team scenario where team a or even multi product scenario within the organization where it 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 almost um, is unfair to compare velocity of team a versus of team b absolutely because uh, if uh, team a is working on um, uh, a feature and they believe because of let's say half of the team is ramped up recently and they are new to the uh, system their initial first few weeks are going to be a little bit uh, i would not say non productive but it will be onboarding time for them mm -hmm. Yeah. they will need time to come up to speed but let's say other team is completely uh, gelled with each other they have been working on the that particular stream of work for let's say 6 months the chances are very high that their comfort with that code base the domain understanding the overall uh, uh, understanding about the complexities involved in that product would be much better and for them due to being spent time into projects for longer duration they might have also built some uh, libraries and components which can accelerate their path to production so uh, two teams velocity comparison for the sake of whether these are two equally productive teams is not a good idea but what people misunderstand is since this team uh, the team a which is having a lot of ramped up people and they are still in onboarding phase yes their velocity looks slow mm. and overall in the journey of that last 12 months yes there is a dip so uh, now this causation uh, this correlation actually is confused with causation mm. that since there is a dip it is actually a productivity dip mm. i would say uh, if you are uh, drawing that plane uh, judgment based on just dip in the velocity then you are missing the point because yes velocity showing that you have slowed down but how should you so let's talk about positive where should be used velocity and what is the right way to use velocity velocity is um, and i remember from my early days of agile right is in the beginning of any project what you do is you create a scope a document yep. like a scope and then you try to create a raw velocity measure and raw velocity measure is completely uh, gut feel what mm. you do is that uh, identify some random cards or yeah. features and kind of divide up your team into let's say two or three groups and then give this set of cards and features to them and say in two weeks 
you and your pair how many cards you would like to complete hmm. but the best part about this is the ba will hide the story points on that hmm. and then uh, the, the team will actually say okay i'll do this in one iteration i'll do these cards in one iteration i'll do these cards in one iteration and these two three groups do that then the ba actually uh, checks the estimates and says group 1 group 2 group 3 okay here is what the files you created and there will be some files which will be extreme like mm-hmm. let's say one pair will deliver 17 points and the other pile will be of only 8 points and somebody will say that okay i will do 24 points but i will do only uh, uh, 10 points the ba actually remo- tries to remove the outliers and then wherever the most number is actually coming they pick up that velocity for a pair and uh, extrapolate that to how many pairs you have in your team and then they say this is your raw velocity hmm. which they start with and then if it comes to let's say 30 points because you have three pairs and the average raw velocity you picked up is now 10 hmm. the goal is that you pick up this raw velocity of 30 just to decide how much scope you want to sign up for the first iteration as soon as you sign the first iteration essentially you uh, start working on it and maybe you deliver 25 points now that should be used as a base velocity for the next iteration right and then you, you keep doing that now there are various schools of thoughts i have seen in some places they were doing average of last three iterations uh in some places i have seen that they religiously take only last iteration velocity and sometimes i have also seen that they sign up more than what is your last iteration velocity hmm. just as a additional target um but i don't think it matters much because the team is going to do what team is going to do eventually <clears throat> but this velocity gives two important uh, internal uh, benchmarks one how much scope needs to be curated for my next iteration hmm. and you should usually have at least uh, 1.5 times of your velocity otherwise you are going to have little bit uh, uh, let's say somebody actually pulled up some stories really fast because the estimates were little uh, pessimistic and then now they found out that they can deliver faster you should leave that leeway with your team that these estimates could be estimates right if you try to um, get the story points into a scientific way that's where things start going wrong and most of the people actually do that i i am not joking when i say couple of times i have seen developers arguing about okay so last five iterations we have delivered 25 points we have three people that is 8 point per pair per iteration uh, it is 10 days so 0.8 is our uh, 0.8 uh, story point is equal to one day. Hmm. They have in fact did that, and I was like, why did you even like went through whole uh, effort of coming up with this point scale and everything? You could have just estimated everything in two days. Days, yeah. So that is where people um, have misunderstandings about how the velocity measure can be made, uh, like used. Yeah. so what i'm hearing sachin is that uh, things like velocity uh, one of the reason one of the additional reasons why they can be dysfunctional is because a team will not have the same velocity throughout the journey sometimes the same team 
uh, will have high sometimes it will go low because of various and and um, the, the you it's not a predictable pattern it's a reflection of the complexity of tasks they're picking so th yes. this is more of a retro or a lagging rather than something that can be used to predict and thus plan and uh, if it's planned that way then thus put pressure on the team that why is your velocity going down so that that's the dysfunctional aspect uh, behind this absolutely so to just recap velocity is an internal metric do not use it externally to communicate with other people because other teams will not know what this number means uh, the second thing is uh, it denotes only magnitude and not quality it does not tell you that okay i have delivered 15 points worth of uh, features now uh, these 15 points worth of features are great or not yeah they are still just absolute magnitude and third thing is that as you mentioned they are not constant throughout the journey of even the team forget about different different teams i mean uh, if you are you have five teams five teams may have completely different set of velocities even the team shape and size is identical right it could be very different because of perceived complexity of different folks so um, what we uh, should do ideally is and that's where um, what we are recommending about velocity is juxtapose velocity with something like lead time that are you getting the features uh, within the customer's hands fast enough and also change field percentage which indicates that hey you are actually uh, delivering features faster but uh, are you signing off these features too quickly because they are facing some issues Sachin, uh, before we go into the recommendation i want uh, to spend some time on uh, these two interesting uh, laws that you talk about oh yeah can you talk a little about goodhart's law yeah so goodhart was an economist and uh, uh, what the idea of that uh, uh, whole research, and there are various versions of Goodhart also wrote, but this is the simplistic thing which I found is if any measurement you are creating uh, that you set as target, then it ceases to be a good measure. So the idea behind this is if you say your team needs to achieve 25 point velocity, then the team will. Uh, that, that you should yeah you should not start you should not use this because the there is other uh, effect which is called hawthorne effect and uh, if you uh, research about this this is little questionable uh, about the the source of this hawthorne effect um, because it was in 1925 it was an electrical uh, um, uh, factory and people uh, scholars don't believe that the right scientific methods were applied to um, measure this thing but what i found is it is very much in action so i don't care what was the scientific background to research and whether they follow a certain process but what i have seen is if you set a target on me i will my competitive uh, bone will start trying to chase that right and the rest everything will actually start falling apart i have experienced this hawthorne effect so uh, these two combinations are deadly if in fact, uh, Sachin, there uh, has been a lot of conversation around it. In fact, uh, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of two folks. One, the founder of 37 Signals um, said that we don't have KPS because same reason. Then people start running after it mindlessly. 
uh, and uh, Thomas Sowell, an economist, I read one of his uh, piece where he said that, you know, there are always, there are no solutions, there are trade-offs. And I think uh, people look at metrics as a goal or as a solution to a lot of things, but forget that, uh, you know, it, in, a, in a system, if you want something to go, um, it has trade-off, it has uh, effects on the system. So if you're running after, uh, let's say, velocity, and that, that's your goal, it is going to affect other things which are not measured or are not in the focus. So you're making trade-offs. Right? Absolutely. And then it becomes very important that what is the metric against whom you're okay with a trade, other things getting traded off. And, um, and your whole um, uh, blog, the first part is talking about that. Uh, yes, that is inevitable, but let's not pick velocity and these kind of things as those metrics for which we want everything else to get traded off. Let's look at something else against which some things can be traded off. Absolutely. And uh, as you mentioned about these uh, points, I think they are questioning whether then then should you even measure something? Yeah. Um, if they are so potential, they, they have so much potential to affect your team adversely, should you even measure? And to that, I would uh, take a controversial stance from those uh, leaders is it is still worth measuring. The only uh, uh, thing I would like to add is you should know why you are measuring. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll clear my first part, why I believe measurement is important. Uh, many times I, I found out that we are intuitive learners. Mm -hmm. You and I, let's say we enter into an area where we did not have any formal training. Mm -hmm. We will make up our own terms. We will make up our own. Imagine that you and I were tomorrow uh, recruited, if we are lucky, by an F1 team as an engineers who are working into their pit stop. Let's and we it. had, yeah, and we have no idea about, let's say, all the science behind that. We will come up with our own terms to everything that there is, and based on our rudimentary knowledge of physics and cars and everything, we will come up with many things. Some of the terms will actually go and hit the right corners and some of them will not. So what we will be missing from actually very well-trained people in the pit stop is we will not have the language and the greater understanding, deeper understanding behind that. What goals of metrics is that it brings everybody onto the common language. They, it exactly means same thing to everybody. So it is important that that language, that measurement, that scale is established within the team so that you can understand where other person is. Otherwise, everybody will need to know the status. Everybody will need to know, um, does this person need help from me? Uh, are they struggling? Are they doing good? And uh, how many times you and I have seen, uh, seen that people have different thresholds to report and ask for help. Yeah. So, so measurements help there to intervene appropriately in uh, our time. Recently, I have met a situation where something was actually not going well, but uh, the person was chill. And if I would have been in that situation, I would have been uh, alarming to other people. Mm. So 
based on uh, talking to that person i realized this person's nature is that way hmm. so unless the house is on fire i will not start shouting water water hmm. so if i would have uh, put a measure there to understand whether there is something wrong maybe i can go and talk to different people and understand this thing early so that i can intervene on time so that's why measurements are important in my mind it's just that the purpose should not be to blame people or to trivialize things um you should uh, know when to intervene that should be the approach that that's a very interesting uh, point uh, such in that you put forth and i uh, really uh, like how you're saying is um i think uh, one of the very uh, one of the ways we can interpret good uh, good hearts law is that measurement is not target and target is not these are two separate things don't mix yes. them doesn't work that's point number 2 1 point number 2 that you raised is that um, which is quite um, profound in uh, many ways is that measurements are are your pro gives you uh, it's a language Um, yes. that uh, gives you ability to two different set of people who have very different thresholds have different attitude to communicate with each other uh, yes. so uh, you know at a number this i'm okay but someone will say but at this number i'm not okay so they are able to talk to each other about the thresholds using that measurement so measurement not only give you know uh, give something because there's that thing right you cannot improve something which you cannot measure the, the whole measurement is uh, so tightly coupled to improvement has um, ha- has a, in some ways uh, robbed measurement of other richnesses i i and uh, one of the richness that measurement brings is it gives a common language or a common baseline for different uh, people to come together and communicate Uh, that's a very profound uh, way to look at it and uh, and i'm happy that it uh, came up uh, in this conversation yeah. and in uh, the phrase which you used is commonly used everywhere is uh, you cannot improve something which you cannot measure and um, i think the foundation of that lies into uh, throughput oriented systems hmm. so and most of the software philosophy is originating from industry philosophy so if you think about all of our concepts even some of the terms which we use mm-hmm. are very uh, uh, industry led example yeah, would be right. is pipeline lines <laughs> yeah yes uh, and uh, in in assembly line uh, what matters the most is that the assembly line should keep moving mm-hmm. and any uh, issue in uh, let's any say i don't have a part problem any dip is a problem because it affects are, everybody yeah dips are happening as we discuss velocity can dip exactly so the comparison of software development uh, pipeline and assembly line in a car manufacturing facility ends right there where the shape of them is similar the behavior and characteristics of both are extremely different but we treat both of them very similarly um so i think we should stop using those metaphors beyond a certain uh, level and we should focus more on qualitative aspects of software which uh, impact far greater than just like having a dip momentarily into your pipeline uh, but uh, it has a wider impact on quality of your software or something else 
that takes us to the same problem, uh, such an if there is no alternative vocabulary, people will, you know, revert to that one. The reason that vocabulary is used because the software engineering did not come up with its own vocabulary, they borrowed it from there. And maybe one of the uh, ambitions that people, maybe someone who's listening, or maybe we can pick up the ambition of, uh, you know, if you want people to stop using those metaphors, come up with a whole slew uh, of metaphors uh, all in itself. But uh, putting a, a pause to that ambition, coming back here, what are your recommendations? Uh, there are two more uh, set of metrics which I compared and we can quickly talk and then recommendations will follow uh, swiftly after that. Uh, one is basically uh, burn up and burn down. And uh, uh, if you think about burn up and burn down, these are very closely linked to the velocity. Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of your release, you have signed up for 350 points worth of scope. And now your velocity is 25 points per uh, iteration. So it will take um, uh, certain number of iterations for you to achieve it. And we already talked about it is not linear. Sometimes the velocity goes up. So it may not take uh, 350 divided by 25. It can be achieved in even shorter period of time. But what they do is they start tracking the scope in the burn down or burn up uh, manner. The, the anti-pattern what I have seen by doing this is now team thinks, hey, I know the uh, promised delivery date for this project. I have a scope and I'm cutting too close. I do not want to sign up for more scope now. Hmm. And then it creates a very high degree of friction between business and the team on scope negotiation. Hmm. In an uh, 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 ideal way, in agile philosophy, you should not worry too much about overall release scope. Hmm. It should be dealt by business and let's say project manager or business analyst from the perspective of negotiation. Yes, this feature, now you believe that it is more important than what we thought two months ago when this whole release started. It's okay, but what would you like to drop in so uh, to accommodate this? That's where the product manager is bringing learnings from the market. Yes, to this, uh, back yes. and then you can also question. Changes, yeah. Yes, and you can also have a question uh, on why do we believe what changed between last eight weeks hmm. uh, that we suddenly feel that this is far more important than the other one. And uh, the, it's a very healthy dialogue to have. But hmm. what I have seen is team starts resisting, blindly saying that this is now going to disturb because now you are just like putting my spanner into my whole well-oiled machine. So it is better to not track them to uh, in front of team. I mean, you can do that somewhere else. I'm not against any of these metrics. It is just that why, how you are using these metrics. As I earlier mentioned, these metrics are popular for a reason. But if you don't contextualize this properly and you do not know what to do with them properly, you will end up destroying either team's morale or create more friction or even um, misrepresent what you are actually doing. Mm -hmm. So it's better to know wh why you are using this metric and when to use it and when not to use it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you want to continue with uh, one cycle, cycle time and, uh, and this is a quicker one. 
Yeah. So cycle time and lead time is something which I have seen in um, uh, the Jira world very frequently. And Jira is the most popular software on planet right now, which people in software industry are using for project management. So whatever Jira does becomes uh, basically the 10 commandments. What I found with cycle time and lead time, cycle time is typically always lesser than lead time. Uh, it is the actual time spent in development versus the total time required for an issue to start and get that into hands of the customer. So the challenge with this lead time and cycle time is typically there is a cost of development and there is a cost of uh, certifying that to get into production. Yeah. And people will uh, want to maintain that ratio ideally. Mm. What we misunderstand is Sometimes certain features are difficult to test. They will require more time to take it to production. Mm. They will require, let's say, sample data. They will require some uh, you know, different infrastructure or environment or understanding. Maybe this is the first time you're doing it. All those things. And then they want to, they start chasing this ideal cycle time to lead time ratio. Mm. And what it creates is if you have aggressive deadlines, you start cutting corners into non-functional requirements around this. And this end up hurting you even more. So if you are tracking cycle time, by all means, but to uh, what purpose? Are you uh, using this to measure productivity or are you using this to measure bottlenecks? Hmm. For bottlenecks, I am all for it. For productivity, absolutely not. And uh, I think if if you are measuring all of these to identify bottlenecks and to remediate or assist or intervene, I think these are the best ways to do it. Great. Yeah. So we'll move to the recommendations. Yes. On the recommendations, uh, the philosophy is very simple. Is what you need to do is focus on outcomes. And whenever you are using using velocity, use supporting metrics to contextualize it start yeah. making sense of it if you have been using velocity for a long time it's try to shift towards better metric now and try to measure the business outcomes if you still want to use velocity make sure that you are also using uh, change fill percentage lead time as metrics for yourself to have additional supporting data that this velocity is really true measure of my indication of my throughput. Right. If you want to use uh, how much time I will need to finish this release, better thing would be is to contextualize that with lead time, change fill percentage. How brittle is my system? How good quality system I'm delivering in the soft uh, like production? How much technical debt I'm accruing as a side effect of the additional speed which I have gained? Or um, am I creating any security compromises? The best thing about 4K metrics is that they are, and we have spoken a lot about them, they are abstract. They don't, uh, you cannot game all four at once. You may be able to game one or two, but not all of them. So this is how I would say you can uh, make sure that you are able to contextualize the purpose of your metrics in the right way. So Sachin, uh, these uh four key metrics of DevOps is much talked about. 
do, do you want to talk about why um, uh, uh, the, the thought processes when we added uh, the three key metrics around uh, excellence? Do, uh, yes. do you want to kind of run through those uh, discussions? Yes. So four key metric talk about something which is in production, but there are additional things. You may be uh, cutting corners somewhere else and still able to maintain these four key metrics in a, I would say, healthy margin mm -hmm. for some period of time at least. Example is the build uh, failure rate. If the ideal way of teams to manage their development uh, discipline is if you have a continuous integration environment and it is broken, do not commit on top of it. That's a standard rule. Every developer should follow this. But when they are doing it, if your build failure rate is high, that means people are committing code again and again. And build failure rate is measured simply by number of builds ran into your CI environment versus number of failed builds. <laughs> Every time you do a commit, the build gets triggered. But if it failed, if it is very high failure rate, that means people were keeping build rate for quite amount of time while committing code to it. Hmm. Typically, this should be lower. And Sachin, why is it a meta uh, or a derived metric? Uh, what, what kind of things can go wrong for build failure rate to suddenly go up? Uh, it just indicates so your developer discipline. Okay. Is that you are, uh, you are committing code irrespective of what is the build status. Right. When a build is failed, that means either a test case has failed mm -hmm. or there is a dependency issue or uh, the build failed because of syntax or whatever, right? right? Somebody should go and address it quickly. The purpose of continuous integration, the word continuous integration is I am integrating my code with other people code and mm -hmm. I want to fail as soon as possible. Right. If already a continuous integration environment told you that it has failed, there is no value in committing further more code onto it and then make your life difficult to pinpoint the actual reason why it failed. Right. So this is just the uh, hygiene, I would say. Sure. And uh, tech debt, uh, Sachin, th this is a good one. And to be honest, uh, I, I learned about tech debt from you uh, in past uh, few years and uh, I hadn't come across this uh, thought process. Do you want to talk a bit about tech debt and why again is it meta and what kind of uh, what kind of symptom uh, it is for? Yes. Uh, so whenever people used to think about volume and we we made fun of those metrics, lines of code and uh, 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 defects per thousand lines of code and all that, um, these metrics are very uh, difficult to justify in my mind. But technical debt. At least there is some uh, scientific evidence that they are valid. So how tech debt is measured is it is a uh, culmination of variety of things. This is based on static analysis and there are free, free tool available, open source tools available in the um, uh, world where you can practically any language, any software system you can assess against uh, technical debt. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, the technical debt can also vary from team to team. Hmm. The way technical debt works is you configure this scanner 
for certain thresholds. Okay. You can adopt some thresholds which are industry standard decided by the tool itself, or you can go and pick up some uh, uh, thresholds which your team is using towards. So this is about cyclomatic complexity. Mm-hmm. This is about your code quality. Code quality, I'm not talking about the hygiene, but I'm talking about, are you writing too long methods? Mm-hmm. Too long methods means it is just difficult to understand. If I am a new person working on this project and I'm seeing this 300 line method, it is going to be very difficult for me to understand what is going on. Mm-hmm. Plus a 300 line method also indicates that this method is trying to do too much. Too much yes. So whatever name you have given is not indicating. Uh, so a good clean code is about readability. The method should indicate what this method does. The class should indicate what entity it represents, yeah. that type of thing. So all these factors considered, the brands, how many if conditions switches you are writing. Because every time you create these branch conditions in your brain, your brain does not work in if else condition. Mm-hmm. It goes linearly. The way we re- read book. I mean, imagine the complexity of uh, yeah, if you write a book where it says, now go to page 15 for this. Next there, are, story. there are certain books that are those, right? You kind of create your own stories. Like, what do you think yeah. this person does? If A, then go to page number 32. But that's a whole different class of books. And But you don't see that commonly because our brain goes linearly uh, and it can consume at faster pace. Right. So it takes into consideration all of these points and gives you a rating. And this rating is a pretty good indicator of what is the overall um, quality of your code base. Then the debt is not only limited to that. Are you using any libraries? And these libraries are something which, how many libraries you are using? Uh, It is also one important measure. Are there some expired libraries for you? Because you need to address that. And technical debt, the debt part is that this is something which you have accrued as effort you need to address. So you have written bad code. It is advisable to you to make it into clean code. Hmm. By uh, breaking down your long methods into smaller components or creating new uh, classes, refactor your code base and whatnot. So technical debt, the higher technical debt means you are actually taking risks. That if tomorrow I sell you my product and code base, you will have tremendous challenge to understand what this product is. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lower technical debt code base, you will be able to onboard faster and take care of it faster too. Yeah. I, I think security warnings are uh, kind of uh, obvious uh, in a way, especially the splitting between high, medium, uh, low. Uh, so I kind of, uh, uh, I get a sense of why these three are associating with excellence, uh, right? And I think last time we had discussed about the business outcomes. Uh, every business will have their own unique outcomes. And rather than um, having a metric across business, it made more sense for us to think about category of metrics. Uh, and we had a quick conversation about all those uh, four and they're here also. Um, And uh, coming back to what you were saying, and I I think it's uh, very important is that uh, this idea that uh, the juxtapositioning, right? uh, Creating that line of sight, 
do you want to uh, talk little why you think that this juxtapositioning was the key uh, is the most important uh, differentiation of this kind of thinking yes um i, I mean i have uh, tried to research a lot to find out correlations how you can quantify uh, software delivery uh, progress to some sort of business outcome i'm pretty sure someday some somebody is going to solve this problem the challenge there is there are too many variables yeah and uh, our understanding of those variables uh, can we measure those variables clearly enough right. and uh, uh, that's why the four key business outcome areas what we talked about these are the ones which are evident that you are building a system to either understand uh, 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 the future trends are there any threats are there any opportunities uh, you are trying to increase the effectiveness of efficiency of your system uh, you want to increase the customer experience um, you want to increase your influence and when you are thinking about and these are categories why we say because uh, different metrics will up, uh, up, uh, come in different categories if you are doing well on your technical development then it is bound to happen that you are going to impact positively to the business outcomes and four key metrics dora uh, the organization which actually put this report out has done this research and uh, gave us enough reason to believe that if you do well on four key metrics the financial results are better will move yeah yes the uh, other thing that uh, sachin i uh, want to call out is um, that uh, this line of sight from uh, excellence um, in engineering and pushing software to production right uh, and the business outcome is sometimes very obvious in case of um, consumer products where um, the uh, channel of delivery of value and uh, you know return via payments is singular in nature so if you have a website and all your Uh, business activities is happening on that website like bunch of e-commerce uh, uh, kind of solutions uh, then it becomes very obvious that this line of sight is very clear um, and uh, in consumer world generally it is relatively easier to do i think uh, what needs to be called out is the complexity of this in an enterprise environment where um, it um, is sitting next Uh, if not core to the business right and w- what happens there is that uh, the channel of delivery of value to a client is not just a website just an app just an um, support engineers uh, you know uh, document which says in case of this problem respond it, it's a mix of all of this it it it's a mix of conversation that people are having with the client it, it's a very complex environment and that's and 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 that's where uh, the uh, importance of what you say that there is a complex relationship between the two and uh, that that becomes very uh, profound that becomes very pronounced uh, it becomes very obvious to everyone who's working in those complex um, uh, enterprise environment i think somewhere you know uh, this gets missed out a uh, lot of activity around um, product thinking around metric thinking are happening are driven by startups which are able to create these correlations move fast 
And somewhere I feel that enterprise kind of don't get a good deal from these thinkings because uh, no one is necessarily thinking at the scale and complexity of an enterprise and trying to come up with it. And that's why I love this uh, to be, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, like every creator you are in love with what you have created. But um, if I step back and look at this uh, thought process and what you have put together and uh, what has come out of this and um, the work we have done subsequently on this uh, is because uh, this really helps enterprises whose world yes. is not singular in nature. Uh, there are multiple stakeholders, there are multiple channels, there are users, there are customers, there are advocates. Um, and I think that, that is when, when we say that correlation is important and not stress too much about creating that exact causation and that exact algorithm or that you know, a transformation from this to this. Uh, don't worry about that. If there's a correlation, you can move forward, becomes very important. And then I feel one of the reasons why 4KM was adopted by enterprises. So Exactly. The only challenge, and uh, uh, you, you nailed it perfectly when you were uh, explaining why correlation is important and not causation, is uh, earlier, when I was talking about these metrics, I did not tell why it is important to bring it the juxtaposition view. Right. The data of these four key business outcomes is measured somewhere else. Every sensible business today measures it. The challenge is that, does the engineering team even know what are their, uh, what are they impacting? Am I impacting the cost? Am I impacting the performance? Am I impacting the experience? It is very nebulous. And uh, uh, as a large organization, and you, you said it very well, is when you are a startup, all this data is handled by a very small team. Yes. So the developers know what are the challenges in customer support and developers also know what are the challenges in sales. So uh, since everybody is in the know, they can move faster. The sense of urgency is communicated better. Yes. Also, the sense of accomplishment also flows very quickly that yes. I feel motivated to do more. In enterprises, since this data is actually scattered across the organization, across and the world. And, uh, and it's not always because of bad design. Many times it's intentional compliance. of compliance and protection. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is, what is important is can you uh, get some sense of that data, a high level representation of it or obfuscation, which can bring uh, a meta matrix out of it and get that and bring it onto the same page as your engineering metrics. The idea is if it is on the same page as you showed the slide, imagine that we replace all of these with the numbers and not necessarily in a tool, do it anywhere, I would say. This will facilitate a great conversation with you, your business partners, your stakeholders, your team management, that are we even impacting? Right. If there is no impact on the business outcomes, which are designated for the system which we are developing, are we even moving in the right direction? Are we even working on features which are directly impacting to the business outcomes? And this, I miss so much many, many times in my career that people used to decide the priority of features based on gut feel. Right. And Often their gut feel is correct, but I would not like to 
take the gut feel as the standard method of prioritization yeah and sometimes it used to get into this hearsay territory where you will believe that your gut feel says it is high priority and i would say it is low priority and you and i will keep talking in front of 20 people it just goes nowhere and i have this thing i've seen this in mid sized companies i have seen this in startups and i have seen this in big companies what what will help here is have bringing some objectivity to it and uh, fortunately with the advent of tools and also awareness i think dinkar there are many uh measurement uh, tools are being deployed now which are more accessible these are not guarded so closely uh, people are more open to discuss that with the team so i'm liking that, that we are definitely moving in the very very encouraging direction but uh, these philosophical changes uh, will make it even better yeah. and i uh, i i you know uh what i uh, want to recommend uh, is that um, the, doesn't mean now you have to crack budget and you have to buy some expensive tools you know um, uh, to do all this uh, there are much lighter ways to do it and uh, i think one of the things we should discuss at some point is this whole uh, the, it's a very uh, passionate thing with me uh, initially we used to call it in house products um as a developer uh, myself and as a product manager i had created a lot of tools small things frameworks i talk a lot about those right and uh, i a lot of times i used to when i'm interviewing I like tell me your set of tools things that you have created right to improve your productivity and that uh, over years have led to a lot of organization having in house uh, products in house tools and i think uh, you know somewhere uh, the importance of these uh, in house uh, i want don't want to call it product maybe in order to just to differentiate it maybe in house asset uh, the importance of these assets for every organization to have um, where uh, you know learnings of team a can move to to team b and team c and you know you can have organizational baselines very important maybe at some point we should talk about these in house products these assets and uh, maybe some company can tomorrow take those uh, as products somewhere and make money out of it uh, but uh, absolutely definitely there, there, there's a cycle there and uh, th that should be one of our conversations at some point yeah. absolutely Th this was a good conversation uh, sachin i think uh, uh, metrics is uh, a topic where when we get started uh, not only we talk a lot about it but uh, we have created a lot of uh, interesting things around yes. it and i'm very keen to see where those creations go and how they help and at some point maybe we should talk about um, the difference they have made to our uh, clients uh, and uh, customers in an anonymized uh, manner absolutely and uh, yes yeah and and uh, any anything else before we wind up no i think we uh, we spoke a lot about metrics i think uh, today uh, this is a little evolving to topic and my only uh, parting thought would be is uh, no metric is inherently bad um, although i have used a very uh, catchy title to that the goal is to uh, push people into thinking about why they are even using me these measures and uh, what is the purpose of it if they are clear about that i think 
any measurement can be utilized properly to uh, like track your team uh, development capacity and also assist them and intervene at right time. So that's the whole goal. Yeah, I mean, um, I totally believe uh, and I agree with you that every metric has a, uh, I mean, I support vanity metrics, right? So <laughs> yes, <laughs> what other proof do you need about that? Right. So uh, see you, uh, Satin, this was uh, wonderful. Uh, thank you and talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take care.